0: already happened but only a few people had realized how important that was and it wasn't celebrated until ever so much later at this point Jesus was about 30 years old grown up he was about time about to start his life as a preacher teacher and healer in Palestine but as yet no one much had heard of him instead, a strange man, whom we called John the Baptist, was the main attraction. He was that odd chap who went around in animal skins and wore and ate locusts and wild honey, out in the dry hills to the south. And he was dealing with crowds of Jews who came out from the cities and towns and villages to hear him. They were urged to get ready for the Messiah, God's promised King, who was about to appear. They needed to get their lives in order. Now we know that that king was Jesus, but these people didn't know that yet. John's message was simple. He proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now repentance means turning round, changing direction, starting to live God's way rather than our own. To be baptized meant to be dipped in water, so John was by the local river, the Jordan, owning up, and people were going down into the water, owning up to things that they'd done wrong. They might go under the water completely for a moment or two, and then they'd come out being washed and clean and forgiven and ready to start again. But was that all it was? Was that a free pass into God's good books? Guaranteed entry into the coming king's world? Was it just a good insurance policy? If the king turned up, it would look better if you'd shown willing. And if he didn't turn up, you wouldn't lose anything. People sometimes view baptism like that now. It can't do any harm. And if it all turns out to be true, it would be better on the right side. John's conversations with the crowd give the lie to that attitude. He starts by being rather rude. You nests of snakes, he says. That's not very polite language. Who warned you to flee from trouble ahead? John calls that trouble the wrath to come. He's reminding these people that God is hostile to all forms of evil. There will be a reckoning, a day of judgment. And I think in a way, God, John is saying here, I know you. You don't really mean this. You say you're sorry, but you do nothing to change your ways. Shame up and put your life in order." Now, as good Jewish people, this crowd thought that they were okay with God, because they had God's law. They weren't ignorant savages like other nations that worship statues. And their pedigree was very good. They were descended from Abraham, the one who would received this great promise of God about the coming king and the Messiah. But John says, don't rely on that privileged background. It's as though God went through an orchard looking at the trees, and the deciding factor as to whether a tree will be allowed to stay in the orchard is not the roots. The deciding factor is the fruit. So it's not our background or our religious devotion that matters, but our attitudes and our actions It's not whether or not we've been baptized, but actually whether we really care about God and live His way. So the crowds ask questions: What should we do? And John's answer is radical and costly: (coughs) Share what you've got. Now in a world that's riddled with unfairness, we may need to take up a less lavish lifestyle so that other people can live it more comfortably just calling for a deliberate downscaling, not just token gifts to charities. We come under great pressure these days to borrow to the hilt, to get the bigger TV, the better iPhone, the swankier car, the larger house. And many people get trapped into debt because of these pressures. While others actually barely scrape a living, they're getting by on less than nothing. In verse 12, tax collectors came along and asked the same question, what should we do? Tax collectors were very much hated in the Roman world. They were licensed to collect taxes for Rome, and if they took more to line their own pockets, no questions were asked. And many of them were corrupt and rich from squeezing ordinary people for all they could. John says to them, don't take any more than you're required to. That would be quite costly for some tax collectors. Soldiers came and asked the same question, what should we do? And Rome was notoriously bad about paying soldiers, and many of them lived by threats and extortion because they didn't actually get paid very often. John says they must give that up and make do on what they're given their salary and be content. This again would be radical, and costly. It's interesting that all John's advice is about attitudes to money and things. He's telling us to live simply, generously, honestly and contentedly. Now in the baptism service, as we shall see, there are some hard questions, one of which is do you renounce evil? And that's much more than just words. It's very like John's call to repentance, to turn around and travel to God. But John had better news to share as well. The reason for all this preparation was someone who was going to come after John. John tells us some important things about this coming king. To start with, this coming Messiah is much greater than John. John's role, compared to him, is like a menial slave who's hardly good enough to take off his master's dirty sandals. Secondly, this coming one can do so much more than baptise with water, like John was doing and as we are going to do in the moment. The one to come can baptise with God's spirit and with fire and clean us up on the inside where it really counts most. He would light a fire in people's hearts that would bring a complete transformation. Thirdly, this one to come will be our judge. If we refuse him, we risk being excluded and destroyed, just like the husk and stalk is burned up after grain is harvested. But he is also the one who has provided way for us to be forgiven through his death on the cross. And that's the very best news of all. All the prophets in the Old Testament pointed forward to this amazing event, and now it was about to happen, only another three years or so to go. So Jesus the King, we look back and we see that he has come. We're going to celebrate that quite soon. But he wants to come to each one of us here in Shelford and to change us by his Holy Spirit and make us clean and ready for his rule. Are you ready?